Ladies and gents, this is the moment you've been waiting for. A podcast for podcasters. This is Creating the Greatest Show. And I'm your host, Casey Cheshire. Join me as we interview podcast hosts and investigate the ingredients of a successful interview podcast. We'll talk mistakes, earned skills, powerful questions, and more. This show is sponsored by Ringmaster. Completely done for you, B2B podcast production. I have hit the red button with a circle and a square in it, and this thing is recording. I'm excited because my guest today is an absolutely amazing person. She is an award-winning podcast host, which is good because that's what we're going to be talking about today. But she is a dentist by trade, turned TEDx speaker, best-selling author, eight books on Amazon, public speaking coach, a motivational speaker, founder of Drop the Drugs, host of Perpetual Motion with Dr. Mo Anderson. That spoils it for you a little bit. A hundred plus episodes. Dr. Mo Anderson, welcome to the show. Hey, wow, what an introduction. Thank you. I need to take you on the road with me for sure. And Casey, I am delighted to be here. I've been looking forward to being on Creating the Greatest Show. And I'm just lucky to have this opportunity. You're amazing. I love what you're doing and you're helping a lot of us. I've learned from your show and I'm happy to share my experience as well. Well, heck yeah. Feelings mutual. So let's do this thing. I got this first question that I'd love to throw at you. Dr. Mo, pull back the curtain for us on your show and share your most important strategy for a great podcast. Pull back the curtain on my show. You bet you. Perpetual Motion with Dr. Mo Anderson with moi is about communications, relationships, uh, and personal finance. Those are the areas I kind of focus on. And as you said, I have over 100 episodes. When I started out, it was kind of willy-nilly. But past two or three years, I've really, really honed in on that. And the most important thing for me, Casey, is having people who are willing to share, who are open-minded and open-handed. I don't want people coming on to just you know, read my book. I don't want to tell you everything, but, you know, buy my course, sign up for me. That's all well and good, man. We got to eat, right? I understand that, but I want to educate people. I want them to have some transformation, something to take away. So I look for quality guests who are really, really about empowering people. And if you give people good information, if you share openly and freely, they will come to you. If you give it, they will come, you know? Absolutely. <laughs> to put a twist on the old baseball field thing. And for me, that has made all the difference in the trajectory of my podcast. This makes so much sense. I think on a show like this, we often talk so much about us as hosts and what we do and, and different ways we can ask questions better and all this and that. But in the end, as a host, we're probably not talking the most, right? Most of the time, it's our guests saying the most things. So wouldn't it make sense then to really focus on having someone quality on the other side, saying the things, giving the value to our listeners? But I feel like it's a high bar. Like, how, how do you approach getting those quality guests? How do, and how do you know? Do you know before you interview them that they're going to be good? Well, that, that's a two-parter. That is how a two-parter. <laughs> yes, yes, and I'm happy to answer both parts. First, how do I get them? Again, I've been doing this about a decade, and initially it was so 
hard. Well, I started out with a solo podcast, honestly, kind of just trying to find more readers. And then when I decided, you know what? I like the interview style, just sitting here talking to myself is not as much fun as I thought it would be, at least not when I'm sober. So I decided. <laughs> Amen to that. And Let's that is go. a joke, folks. <laughs> I got to check out some of those early Dr. Mo episodes. Early Sounds Dr. Mo sitting in the closet for the acoustics shows. So I, uh, I would go on Facebook, LinkedIn, if I heard a workshop, reaching out to people. And, and always I was looking for, you know, a particular type of person, even though my topics were all over the place, there was always a particular type of person that I felt like I would resonate with and they would be a good fit with me because ultimately it is a conversation. And so what was hard about that, Casey, is that just communicating with busy people. And I, as you said, I have a full-time job. I have other things that I do. So, you know, did you see my message? Emailing back and forth. Can you send me a headshot? You know, where's your website? You know, I ask in the past three emails, please send me a link to your website. Yeah. And it it was a job just connecting with them. And so I got on maybe three years ago, Podmatch, P-O-D-M-A-T-C-H, podmatch.com. Uh, Alex and Alicia set up this website by podcasters for podcasters. They have podcast host from all over the globe, and they have podcast guests from all over the globe. All of your links, your profile, what you talk about, podcasts that you've been on, is all there for me. And that has been a game changer. Everything within that app, whether it's on my phone or my PC, I can, first of all, I just reading and, you know, looking at their previous, listening to their previous podcast, I can be like, okay, this might be a good fit or no, not so much. No communication whatsoever. They pitched to me. I was reaching out to people, but now that my ranking has improved and the award and all of that, you know, people are coming to me, which I love. And we can do everything, scheduling, all of that. And I do a pre-call for part two of your question. How do I know? Because mm -hmm. again, you can look good on paper. You can look good on YouTube. But then when we get into a conversation, I'll be honest, particularly what I don't care for is if, if you're a little long-winded, I, I can get with that. I'm that person too. And I may just interrupt and I let people know that. But if you're talking over me or abrasive or curt, condescending and it's I'm going to say it's happened maybe four times in all these years but that's not a good fit for me they're not a bad person but it's not going to be a good conversation man there's so much to talk about I can't wait. we'll talk about these abrasive and curt people in just a second you mentioned the pre-call as a way of vetting some people out do you ever uninvite them after the pre-call I don't in, in that particular app you can say whether or not they're a match for you. And I. some people, as soon as they set up the pre-call, they'll check this person is a match. I do not. It's not until I talk to you that I know whether or not you're a match. And no, I do not say during the call, oh my goodness, this isn't going to work. I, I really take some time to think about it. I record the pre-call most of the time and I go back and look at it to when, you know, at a different point in time, a couple of days later, when I'm not sure to see how I feel about it, I'll have some people on my team look at it. And then, you know, we come to the decision. 
this is not going to be a good fit because I want it to be an enjoyable experience for the listeners, right? And if I'm not comfortable with the guests, again, they're not a bad person. We're just not a good fit. That's why I'm not friends with everybody I meet. Some people you click with and some you don't. And then I'll just put pass and we're done with it. They can ask me. Those three or four people have not. But I think you kind of know when things aren't aren't going well. They can feel it too. So why take up more time on something that's not working? I think this is so important for fellow hosts to hear because I know in the past I've had a guest on a prep call and I I love those prep calls, but I felt what you're describing. This is not a fit. This person was very much selling SEO, just sort of like that huckster hawking these crazy things. And I'm like, oh, this doesn't sound good at all. But I didn't do anything about it. And then we did the podcast together and it was more of the same. And so I ended up ending it short. It was was supposed to be an hour and a half and it only went like eight minutes. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) But the guy was so bad, he didn't even realize it was a problem. He was like, you know, so at the end, I was like, thanks for coming, man. I appreciate that. Okay, we'll see you. Never heard from him again, anything like that. Um, but looking back and now kind of how I would do it forward, I would just do what you're describing. It, it, you're not a bad person is what you said. You're not a bad person, just not a fit. Not a fit for this show. Not a match. Yes. yes. And, and you're protecting your audience by doing that. Exactly. Because the, the people who listen to me regularly, newcomers, may have heard me somewhere else. Often they've heard me speak or they've heard me do something else. So they kind of have a feel for my personality. And if I'm not comfortable with a guest, that's, you know, that's going to come across. Or you can just tell when people are really having a good conversation and enjoying each other, whether you know them or not. And and yeah. you want to be part of that. And it's not something I like. And, and I'm not just super picky because before I even accept the invitation to talk to you, I'm already vetting and making some decisions. A lot of people... I get on for a pre-call because I go on podcast as well. They haven't looked at anything. Some Mm -hmm. people you can eat. A lot of people I eliminate at that stage because either their topic or something else I see uh, is not, in my opinion, a good fit for my program. So when you get to the pre-call, I'm about 60% sure this is going to work. But if it doesn't, dude, I'm old. I don't have time to waste. (laughs) You're not old. And then another hour of my life on something that is just doesn't seem like it's going to lead somewhere good. I I just don't think that's the highest and best use of my time. Yeah. Okay. That may, it makes a lot of sense. 60% of the way there, which means it's, it's almost more of just a polishing on that prep. You, yeah. And I think this is one of the things that I've been trying to learn too, is if you, if you, if you're aggressive on the targeting, you don't have to be so much later on, right? If you, if you front load all that research and that work and you have a good idea about it, you don't really ever have to turn people down per se because you've already done it early on and it's a little less awkward and painful if you turn down a guest before you even contacted them because you're just not even going to reach out versus after a half hour prep call and eh, I don't think this is going to be a good fit. Kind of, kind of right, weird, right? And if, if I can add another thing to it, an- another thing I might be looking for on their profile is there are so many life coaches now, and if I see the three things you talk about are like imposter syndrome, you know, burnout, 
overcoming challenges. That's fine. Those are very trending topics now, but I want to see that you have another take on it. You know, it might be life design. It might be how you work out to overcome stress or something, but all I'm seeing is keywords. And then I listen and you're saying, saying whatever they taught you in class, it sounds like you're reading out of a binder. I'm tired of that. (laughs) So I, you know, people who follow me regularly, they don't want to hear the exact same thing over and over. So I, I think it's important for people trying to be on our shows to understand you need to find a niche in some way, whether you've got your seven principles or your own personal story or something that makes you a little bit different from everybody else who's basically talking about that same topic. And that's a great lesson for would-be podcast guests, hosts, even businesses, even people, just in life, right? Finding that specialty, going where your passion and your expertise is. And and yeah, I can't handle the binder people. I, I love that you described them that way. I did interview someone like that not so much recently, and I hated it. And I and I didn't know whether I should call them out in the middle of the show. This is on the Hardcore Marketing Show. So it's called Hardcore mm-hmm. Marketing. So I thought, well, I could call them out on the show because it's hardcore. But that's, yeah, I'm not, I don't really do that. It's kind of, so, so in the end, I just sort of finished the interview. And at the end, he actually sent me a note saying, thank you so much. That was one of the best shows I've ever been on all this other stuff. I thought, well, I'm glad I didn't tell him that <laughs> he's full of, he's full of crap. Uh, but yeah, I just, it, I, you're right. Life's too short. And, and why, why record another podcast that's already happened? Right. Right. A conversation that's right. already been done. Different voice, same conversation. Yeah. And or even I, same, I, that's the worst thing. This is just the thing they do. Right. Yes. And so they're answering their, the same questions every time. Have you ever gotten that, that kind of situation where your guest is just so polished, you just feel like they're they're basically scripted? You know what? It may start out like that, but I'm a, I'm a pretty good interviewer after all these years of interviewing and being interviewed and, and almost invariably you will hear guests say, no one's ever asked me that question before. That's a good question because even though they have suggested questions between my pre-call and the diligence, and just me as a curious person, I'm not going to let you just go down that road. I want something authentic, something new. My ideal thing is when they pause, when there's a little pause and the eyes go to the side or diagonally up or diagonally down, that's, oh, I have to think about this. I don't have an answer to this, just ready to go. She's asked me something different or something I haven't been asking a long time. And so I will, and and really when it's just blah, 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 I'll say, what does that even mean? You know, you just said a bunch of stuff and acronyms. I don't even know. What are you saying? And I'll say it in the nicest way, but I just make them stop and back up. Let's get off the script. And I pretend like I'm a listener about 10th grade. So if you're throwing out acronyms and jargon and you just sound like a robot, I'm going to break it up and say, wait, teacher, what, what does that even mean? Yeah, part of me was wondering if you act, ask it that same way. Like, do you, are you, would you say it even nicer? Because that sounds kind of fun. You go on like, what does that even mean? Like, what uh, you- I will say <laughs> if they're going on and on, and especially corporate people, they're so, they don't realize it. Now, 
To be clear, I tell them during the pre-call, please listen to one or two of my shows. I don't care if you're at the grocery store driving. You don't have to take, you know, dedicated time out of your day, but you need to hear how I interview so you're not surprised. I'm not just going to give you a question and sit there and never say anything. We're going to exchange ideas and I will ask you questions. And if I don't understand something or I think the audience may not understand, I'll ask you to clarify. Mm -hmm. And so because of the pre-call and because of the prep, they know that could possibly happen. But I'm smiling and I'm like, what? what is that even? What does yeah. that mean? I, I don't even know what you just said. What are you talking about? Uh, and they just, you know, they'll kind of stop and laugh. It's not confrontational or mean, but it is a redirect of remember who we're talking to. Everybody's not in your industry or everybody, you know, let's let's come back and let's make it plain. Let's make it plain and simple. And I... I haven't had anybody react in any way like I offended them because I want to be treated kindly and professionally as a guest. But people, sure. it's not just that I talk, it's that you understand. And if I feel like people don't understand you, I'm trying to do you a favor and getting more details. And to me, that, that like reminds me of just, it's, it's a bit of humility, right? You don't need... The whole point is that I don't know everything, which is why I'm interviewing people to learn. Mm -hmm. uh, so I want to learn in this case about podcasts or about marketing or whatever the topic may be. And I think sometimes podcasters get that tw that twisted, right? Like they're the superstar. Your guest is the superstar. Right. You're just facilitating a conversation of discovery for everyone. They're the yeah. they're the smarty in the room. I agree. Now, how do you, with a PhD, find that humility to be able to ask someone? And I almost call that like the caveman or cavewoman approach where you're saying, I don't know what that means. <laughs> it's, a, it's a DDS. I have a doctorate in dental surgery. Uh, oh, I'm sorry. You're right. Yes, DDS. That's okay. My mom has a PhD, but I, I do not. And uh, my mom is super smart. She makes me look like I need to go sit in the corner. So that helps in that. Does I, she ever I, cast shade on your DDS and you get into like a PhD DDS little feud back and forth? Uh, uh, no, mom, mama's so proud of me and I'm so oh, proud of her. <laughs> okay. We don't we don't have any of that. It's all a love and, and support. And in That's fact, awesome. she calls me about medical stuff, uh, you know, that she needs to be calling a physician. But I'm like, wait, mama, I'm glad you think highly of me, but I don't know about this person's cardiac problem. I'm not going <laughs> to leave it. So, okay, as I said earlier, I'm old. What was the question? I'm sorry. You know, the, the question, yeah, no, it, it's all good. I, I all the humility, just, right? Yeah, the humility. I mean, of, of anyone, you are one of the smartest people to, to be you know, interviewing someone. And, and so for you to then be able to take the humility to say, what does that mean? There's something. How do you do that? They, uh, I'm an intellectual curious, intellectual tourist. Malcolm Gladwell style. I am on a quest to learn, to grow, to develop. I have been to the Smithsonian. I've been to the Louvre. I've been to all types of cultural places. And I am astounded with the breadth of knowledge out there. Things in so many areas from physics yeah. to child rearing. How could I not be humble? I mean, how could you not look up at the sky today? Clouds that blew everywhere, the sun, and really think you know everything. You could 
fill the ocean with, with what I don't know. Mm-hmm. So I just approach things like that. I'm very comfortable about what I do know, but not for a minute have I ever thought I know everything. I'll take that back. In my early 20s, I probably did, but I had a number of humbling experiences sure. <laughs> to, to show me that indeed I do not. And things are changing so much, so rapidly, you know, yeah. I, I want to learn. And, and so it's not hard for me at all. I don't, I don't feel like I'm making myself less by asking you for more. Right. And this, I mean, has me thinking about how you started with your solo episodes and then you shifted more to the interviews. For me, the solos, and tell me if this is what you've felt too, you're supposed to just be sharing your knowledge on the solos, whereas the interview is that, is that discovery, is that intellectual tourism in the interview. D- did you find that not only did you prefer the discovery better than, than giving knowledge, or do you mix the two, or which one do you, do you like better? I, I occasionally do still do a solo episode, um, and for the downloads, people seem to enjoy it. And it is in keeping yeah. with the show. It's about, you know, empowerment, communication, sharing what I do know and what I have learned. But I really, really like Casey. I interview just, you know, in the past year, people in a couple in Japan, woman in Germany, several people in Australia, several people in Canada. Uh-huh. I'm, I'm traveling all over the world virtually speaking to experts and learning from them. And for someone like me who has such a curiosity about the world and about other people, I, I have to say I prefer that overall. I prefer that greatly to just doing it by myself. And then at least I know, like right now, I know you're listening, you're nodding, at least you're looking. I mean, you're pretending to listen very well, but... <laughs> Yeah, I'm playing Sudoku over here. Playing yeah. Sudoku. That's what I tell young people. <laughs> that's what you learn in college is how to appear to be paying attention. So <laughs> I played but, a lot of, yeah, <laughs> I did a lot of not studying in college. Yeah, you and me both. I mean, and I could stare, I could even nod and do that. No idea what they were saying, but yeah. Yes. Yeah. Awesome. But uh, I, yeah, for me, it, it works. And I guess it depends on what you're talking about and what your personality is. But I, and most of the podcasts that I listen to are also interview style, whether it's, you know, it may, or it may be a group or whatever, but I like hearing those ideas and folks mouse off of each other. Yeah. It's, you mentioned the paying attention thing, which is super fun that you bring that up. I find that it's hard for me to pay attention to a conversation for a period of time, right? Unless it's really fascinating and I find podcasting for me is like my ideal way to learn because one, I'm usually talking to really good people about really good things. And mm-hmm. then two, I have that accountability. If I wander, you know, we, we're both on our laptops, but if, if we wander off and start checking Facebook and we, either one of us asks a question, you can absolutely be caught just yeah. like flat footed. And I just, that alone is enough to keep me focused. Now, in good conversation as well, but like I have that, it's like, it's like a focus engine for me, right? Mm -hmm. And I just, I love that aspect of it. And so I'll take that over school any day because it would be like school if I was sitting in the front of the class facing the class and they can all (laughs) see me the whole time. 
uh, is me. But I wanted to, if I could shift a little bit, I wanted to go back to that, that moment you talked about when you got that one of the greatest of all compliments a, a podcast host can get. No one has ever asked me that question before. Uh, I love that. I love that feeling when people are surprised. You mentioned the pause they have. I'd love to chase that, chase that experience. Talk to me about, are there particular things you do or allow yourself to do in order to get those experiences? Are you intentionally seeking them out or do they just tend to happen from your good interview skills? They, they just tend to happen because obviously with the busy lives that we have, I can't listen to every single interview everyone's had or everything that's been read, you know, written or said about them. So I don't know what they've been asked, but uh, sometimes they are questions that I prepared in advance simply because I've looked at so many different sources of information and I compile something. For example, I just interviewed a police chief who's a leader in police reform and just policing in underserved communities. And I saw in his background that he had served in different roles on the police force prior to becoming a chief. And so on his pod match profile, there was nothing to ask him about how that influenced his decision to apply to be a police chief. Uh, to take on that leadership. But I put right. those together. I asked him, you know, what roles did you have? You don't just come in as chief. And then I asked him, how did that impact you as a chief, having served in those roles? And there was, he had, he had shared something about his mother as well. So quite often it's that I've combined mm. some things in that way. And it seems now that you say it and, and you, you, have some really good insight and draw good conclusions. Now that you say it, I think it's often about something in their past that led to who they are now and their philosophy now quite frequently as I think of as things are flashing in my mind. And a lot of times we just want to focus on the top of the ladder or the pedestal. But I really like to start from the beginning of their journey and how did you get there and talk about the resilience, the overcoming, the doubt, and the things that led to where you are because so many people think we just came here like this, you know, with with your confidence or your speaking ability or whatever superpowers you have now, but it's important to share it wasn't always like that and what led to what you now see something about that, right? That it's that personal side. Not a lot of people get asked those questions. And so they have to think about it maybe for the first time or maybe for the first serious time, because it's not just like a quick news report. It's like a, the person could ask me anything and they're asking about this past you have. And, and I think sometimes in there, they, they start, I don't know if you've had this with your guests where they have you had this where they like make connections? Not only have mm -hmm. you asked them a question, but they had to be making these like life connections yes. <laughs> that they hadn't even thought of. Yeah. Yeah. Cause we're, we're so busy moving and moving that, you know, we don't, you're right. We don't always make those connections and sometimes someone else sees it before we do. And it's, uh, it's a good feeling. And I, and I never trying to, I'm not a tricking you gotcha person. It's, it's never for that. It's just, 
revelation, being transparent, and in sharing parts of your journey that may not often be discussed. And and the feedback I get from people is that they like it as well. It's not just that I enjoy it. It's that I get that commonly. I've got over 200 app, uh, reviews, five-star reviews on Apple Podcasts. And the, yeah. and the thing I see over and over is, you know, I'm looking for feedback. How do I grow is that I like the questions and I like the uh, diversity of the guest and then the topics. Let's talk about that for a second because, you know, on my marketing pod, I once got this compliment and it really stuck with me. Somebody gave me props and said, really like the diverse amount of guests you've had, right? And it, it's nothing I was like going for. I was just sort of interviewing people that were interesting. But ever since somebody told me that, I thought, that's really cool. And I want to make sure I keep doing that, you know? And so maybe talk to me about what it means to you to get guests from different places and walks and shapes and sound. Like, do you, do you, are you intentional about it? Or are you just, how do you, how do you go about getting a diverse um, guest list? I am intentional about it, but I have to be honest, at this point in my career, they are gravitating to me. Again, it's not very often that I reach out to uh, someone to be on my program. And if I do, it's typically someone a little more high profile that sure. I've seen. They've got a movie out, they've got a book out or something, and I just throw it out there. All they can, you know, if they say no, they say no, my life is the same. But, you know, sometimes right. they say yes. But the ones who come to me, uh, especially those who are, who are very professional about it or they have an agent or a team, they're looking just like I'm looking at them and vetting them. They don't just pitch. They look and they're very specific. I love this show that you did about so If you want to really get to me, be specific about a previous show. And I'm like, oh, OK. And not just the name of it, but something that you liked about it. And then they'll go on to say how they can they feel like they can add value mm. as well. So it, it's really, there's so much, I, I spend more time on that vetting and trying to understand who this person is and, and their motivation for sharing and their competency for sharing. And that just leads to, it, it attracts like people, particularly yeah. with my guest overseas. I, it's, just amazing how many people from Germany and Australia and Canada and, and Nigeria now listen to my show because I had someone from there who was, yeah. you know, they agree, we're going to market this, we're going to help you. That's part of our conversation. Yep. And then that leads to new listeners and new guests. Mm -hmm. I saw blah, blah was on your show. Here's what I do. And frequently guests will send me other guests, their friends. So mm. great. We got a recommendation for you from somebody I'm already impressed by. Right. That's the, really the best way to get the, those I guests coming in there. R referrals from friends. And, and then you end up having this really great network and community of awesome guests who sometimes become friends and, mm -hmm. and all those things. I love to shift to the dark side now. I love to talk about what really side. is the challenge with podcasting. Right. So let's do it. Yeah. Tell me about what, what, what are you, your challenges with podcasting? I mean, we love this thing that we do, but what, what's the hard part? Challenges of podcasting. How much time do we have? 
um, I would have to say first and foremost, the thing that comes to mind is time. Yeah. It's time. If you do this full time and you've got a big team, it may be less challenging for you. But for me, I've got an editor and marketing people who do my show art, but the preparation for the podcast and book, booking guests, pre-call and so forth, I do myself. And so trying to balance that with a full-time job, speaking and writing, that is challenging. If I didn't love it, I certainly could not have done this for 10 years. You should not be doing this if you don't love it. I, right. I truly believe that. I don't care how much you're making. If you don't love it, I, you shouldn't keep doing it. There's some things you, that aren't optional, you know, your day job or whatever. But this one, sure. this goes so much better if you enjoy it. So time and also... um just there's so many people now to me, Casey, who are trying to kind of, I don't want to say take advantage of podcasters, but I like my groups where they share information and workshops are either free or low cost. But I, I bet your LinkedIn box looks like mine, where it's constantly people who can do this for you, do that for you. And at some exorbitant price, they've got no track record, can't give me any references. And just, you know, I do want more help. I need help. But at the same time, I don't have money or time to waste with you just, yeah. you know, feeding off of podcasters <laughs> and uh, promising 100,000 downloads. So that's that's hard. It's finding the right people around me, really like my editor, uh, the people who do my clips for me. But then they need feedback. They need information. So it's mm -hmm. it's constantly trying to be better, but not let the balls drop on any of my other multi-hyphenates. The guest part, this part is, is great. I love this. And I love when we get to, when we hit record, oh man, I'm in the zone. But getting yeah. there is not as easy as it looks. It's not just you know, hey, let's jump on Zoom and do this. It's, there's a lot more to it than that. Yeah, it definitely is. T time is that uh, uh, weirdly valuable resource that you have limited amounts of. You get more tomorrow, maybe. <laughs> right? So, it's, right. yeah, I, I hear you on. And then, you know, if life would be grand if we could just you know, be one long podcast, you know. Yeah. Uh, but there's all that prep. There's all the post work. There's all the things that go into getting the word out about it. Um, so I wanted to shift a little bit to more of a hypothetical question. Let's say I might have a time machine. Let's be honest. I have a time machine. It's in my backyard covered in a tarp. Okay. It's pretty cool. So Let's come visit New Hampshire, right? We'll get in the time machine and we get a chance to go visit your podcast 50 episodes from now, almost a year if it's a weekly kind of thing. You know, so six months to a year, You've done 50 more episodes with all these amazing guests. What, what do you want it to look like? Does it look the same? Is it different? Are there changes to it? I love that question. Here's my pause. Let me oh, think about got a pause. Oh, my goodness. It. When you mentioned, I was like, oh, can I get one? Can I get one? You, That's good. You did it. And I'm a forward-thinking person, but 50 years is, is long-term that I haven't thought 50 about. 50 episodes. 50 episodes, you yeah, said, yeah. a year from now. 50 yeah. episodes a year from now. And, and I like, I really like that question. I would like for, because 
between YouTube and everyone else, they're making this more of a, a visual medium. And my podcasts right now are about half audio only and half video. A year from now, I see there being a video component to all of them. There will always be the audio, of course, but I'd like for that to be in place. And I see uh, me having a team that <laughs> I just come into the room and sit down and hit the mic. You've got some really professional people working with you. So I'm, I'm moving toward that. I've gone to Riverside FM. So I have a studio where a producer can come in and be taking care of things. And, and I'm trying to bring more people into my circle who can help me find tools and other people to make it more efficient. But that's what I'd like. I'd like to have a team around me and I'd really like for there to be video uh, component, video podcast for every episode. Yeah, that video is, yeah, I'm, I remember back in the day when it was just hard to even get a, a song on the computer, you know, <laughs> try to pull it off a CD and it's like, how many megabytes is that? And nowadays- and the quality we, was horrible. <laughs> yeah, we've got songs and videos and uh, on our cell phones and it, it's crazy. So yeah, mm -hmm. I, I, that's a great, I, I love to see it. We definitely need to chat hopefully before 50 episodes from now, but I'd love to see this evolve for you and- and see your podcast become that and be it dominating with video and you've got all the great guests coming in. You've got a team around you just moving and shaking so that you can just focus on your guests. That'd be, that'd be amazing. I would, I would so like that. thank you so much for coming on here. I know you, you're, you're jumping through hoops and juggling things and you know, you're at, you know, whatever percent you are, but man, it felt like 110% to me. So thank you for coming on here and and schooling me on your on your podcast methods and and getting me to think about things too. Thank you, Casey, for the great opportunity, the great questions, and the very great example you're providing. You you are living proof of of what we can do to have a consistent quality podcast, and you are helping those of us in the industry a lot. I really really appreciate you, and thanks again. Heck yeah, heck yeah. And on that note. For anyone listening, if you learned something, and I know you did, because I literally have two pages of notes over here, front and back, <laughs> right? I'm like, I'm like drawn in the side. I got two columns going on over here. Then share this episode with someone else, one person, three people, 9,000, doesn't really matter, even one person, but share the takeaway you got from this. Tag Dr. Mo, tag me. We'll hop in those comments on LinkedIn. We'll have a great, great old time, right? Chit-chatting on there, but, but get that good information out there. That's thought leadership. Dr. Mo, you're the best. Feel better. You're fantastic. I'm, I'm your fan. And uh, let's stay in touch. Thank you, sir. Looking forward to it. All right, everyone. This has been another crazy episode of Creating the Greatest Show. We will see you all next time. And next time doesn't have to be next week. Life's too short and we have way too much to talk about. Find show notes full of takeaways, lessons, and links at creatingthegreatestshow.com. For more information on launching your own podcast or working with us to produce your existing show, come on down to the big tent at ringmaster.com. Until then, friends, whatever you do, do it with all your might. Work at it, if necessary, early and late, in season and out of season, not leaving a stone unturned and never deferring for a single hour. That which can be done just as well now. P.T. Barnum.